This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's time for football. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Hello and welcome to Just for Kicks with me, Cam Ruslan. And we have a packed show. We're going to be doing Premier League, top and bottom, uh, Champions League, Europa League, Europa Conference League. And also we're going to find out what is it like as a Malaysian going to watch matches of your team in England. And uh, our three pundits today, we have Sean Mahotra. Hello, hello, hello. Hope everyone had a great weekend. A great amount of football this week too. A lot, yeah. And we have the return of, after an epic journey, uh, watching, I think, three matches at Anfield, dare I say, uh, Azran Rosain. Hello, everyone. It's a pleasure to be back, as usual. Uh-huh. Great to have you back. And um, we have the three parts only of this show because he's getting on a bit and he can't do the full <laughs> show. Uh, he's going to have to be taken off before the end. Goglin. Uh, good to be here on a Monday. You know, I only do like twenty minutes cameos now on the pitch. So thanks yeah, for yeah. me. I'm a, off. Few, <laughs> a few stepovers and yeah. stuff like over the bar, and then <laughs> and then he goes. Also, I think because Villa won, he wanted to be on the show, and uh, we'll we'll yeah, to break to break the jigs. Remember? That's right. You have <laughs> yes. Okay, let's begin. Um, let's begin at the top. Two matches. The Arsenal match and the <clears throat> Manchester City match. Let's begin with Arsenal. Arsenal nil. Brighton three. I think, Sean, we can safely say that Arsenal's title challenge is over, but they weren't bad. It depends on what you define as bad. Because I thought that was one of Arsenal's worst performances. You know, playing at home, mustering up only two shots on target the entire game and two shots that weren't really, to say, troubling for Brighton. I think the more of the credit needs to go towards Brighton. Deserby said midweek after they lost to Everton that the real Brighton would turn up at the Emirates. And he wasn't kidding. That 3-0 does not flatter Brighton. It could have been much, much more. I think the first goal was was a weird one. Because when it first happened, I thought, oh, the player got clipped and, and, and you know he was injured and they scored. Probably VAR would overturn it. Didn't look like much, just his boot came off. But in a moment like that, you don't you don't switch off. You know, for one of the shortest players in the field, we all like to talk about height, you know, amongst players. For shortest player on the field, shouldn't be scoring a header there. After that, Arsenal's heads just dropped. There was no confidence. Losing Martinelli was not great early on. They were the authors of their own downfall. I mean, you can't just look at the Brighton game as a as a reason to to why they're not gonna win the league. You know, picking up nine points from a possible, I think what, 21. It's not acceptable. Dropping points from a leading position against Liverpool, dropping points against West Ham, Southampton. These were the games where they they lost the league, not not the Brighton game. But most of my credit has to go to the Zerbi's team. Exceptional. Wow, a damning indictment there, Goglin. Uh, so uh, from from Sean's, they bottled it. I mean, this is it is a, it is a sad end to the season, really. Again, we have to be uh, measured in our criticism of Arsenal. Yes, they technically bottled it, they were in a, they were, what, eight points clear at one point. Again, like what he said, it doesn't come down to this match per se, but I already said the mark of champions is this period of games. You know, the difference between winning, and I always go back to the same point when Fergie's team, you know, everybody was hunting down Fergie's team or Fergie's team's hunting down him. I said, it's the mark of champions, it's the mental fortitude, skills, tactics, everything's out the window already at this set. It's the mental fortitude to take you through the line. And if you've won the league before, you know what it takes, you know, you know how to chase it down, you know how to protect your lead. And I'd said this in uh, January, 
that, you know, if it comes down to City and Arsenal, I will take City because City have already won the league a couple of times and the players know how to win it. So it's probably that. But again, back on what how last season was for Arsenal, every Arsenal fan should be ecstatic with how far Arteta has taken them. At one point, they wanted him out of the squad. Right, so yeah, I, I was that, I was baying for that. I'm yeah, not even an Arsenal fan, <laughs> <laughs> and I said trust them. It's process. Let them let the players get into the grit of things with teams, you know, and they, you will see results. And yeah. true enough. And Azran, uh, Brighton, they have not taken your advice to take the foot off the gas and to just you know be happy with what they've got. They've got a game in hand over your Liverpool. Uh, if they win that one, they'd be a, simply a point behind Liverpool and. What a season they could end up above Liverpool. <laughs> First and foremost, we thought it did when they really collapsed against Everton last week. But against um, Arsenal, uh, as Sean mentioned, they deserve the win, really. Uh, and the good thing is, their game in hand is against Newcastle, which is another sort of competitor for top four. Really, at this point of time, the top four places looks really for Newcastle and Manchester United, which we'll talk about later. But, um, you know, anything can happen. But yesterday, yeah, De Zerbi has done everything right, I would say. In addition, I think together with uh, Unai Emery, uh, one of the contenders for manager of the season, uh, even though they lost a couple of players like Solly Marsh to injury, they've always got players who've taken the mantle to be on fine form, right? Mm. Because these players play really well at different times. We had Solly Marsh earlier, we had even Ferguson, Kaoru Mitoma, and now uh, the the fullback, uh, Estupinan, looks really like, the, like a man possessed. He's been probably the best fullback of the last couple of matches in the Premier League. So uh, he kept it off with his first goal, I believe, for um, Brighton yesterday night as well. So yesterday, I you can see that Arsenal really nerves got the better of them. Um, Gogolin mentioned about the fact that this is, you know, uh, how this is where you see championship teams, right? And you see on the other side, City has been winning rampantly, 11 games on the trot or something like that. Whereas Arsenal, they've lost two out of the last four. Uh, yeah, again, but... As mentioned at the start of the season, if you spoke to any ask anybody connected to Arsenal, would they take second place? I'm sure they would say yes. But mm-hmm. the manner at how they sort of collapsed, I suppose it gives them what doesn't kill you will make you stronger. I suppose it gives them good state for the following seasons. Yeah, well, when you got when you got fans like uh, Piers Morgan, who would just be happy <laughs> with uh, <laughs> anyway, whatever. Uh, meanwhile, Sean, Manchester City. So it was Everton nil, Manchester City three. I mean. Mathematically, they could still lose, I guess, but surely not. What What can we say now about Man City? Uh, and may perhaps say something nice about Gundogan, somebody who keeps popping up and doing something great. Um, I think it was a slow burner for City starting the season. You know, yes, Haaland was scoring goals for fun, but everyone was talking about, is it the Haaland show? How can this team play through him? You know, it's not... Pep's usual way of playing and all that. They eventually got it right. Now, a mark of a champion, right? a team that knows how to win the league and everything, City wouldn't have been able to catch up if there was another team that was fighting for this league who's used to winning it kind of thing. But the fact that City have won it numerous times and they know what it's like to be in this position, they grew into a system. Haaland grew into the system. I mean, Haaland is part of a huge picture, right? We all talk about how he scored 52 goals, which is mental. But then you look at all the other players around him who are all clicking into gear now. There's not a single weak cog in that entire City team. And Gundogan is a, is a huge part to play. And I think the last couple of months has, has shown him in his truest form and his best class. 
You know, you talk about Gundogan. I mean, sorry, uh, Kevin De Bruyne being one of City's best creators. You talk about Jack Grealish probably having his best season in a in a City sh- uh, shirt. Riyad Mahrez who's hit double numbers for assists as well. Everyone in that City team is playing well. But you know, I was watching the game and I was thinking to myself, "Wow, Haaland's only touched the ball twice in the last like fifteen minutes, and then his third touch is a goal." That's what you get for a guy who can just score goals for fun. You get the ball to him in that 12-yard area, he scores. I was telling a friend of mine, he reminds me so much as a United fan. Reminds me of Ruud van Nistelrooy back in the day. You just get the ball to him in the box. Nine times out of ten, he's going to put it in the back of the net. I see no weakness in that City team now. They can still afford to lose a game and still win the league. That's how it's going to be for them. But the next game is against Chelsea. I can't see that happening at all. It's going to be Cities to win after the Chelsea game. All right. Well, we're going to get to Chelsea in a second after the break. But uh, I remember that uh, Ferguson used to say, just get the ball to Nisroy. Wasn't mm-hmm. that his advice? Yeah. And also, Brian Clough used to say to one player, I can't remember who it was now, get the ball, pass it to someone better than you. <laughs> it's not easy. There are 10 of them. <laughs> Sean, did you watch, see the video of uh, RVP, right? uh, RVN? Mm-hmm. Uh, dancing on the dressing room. Yeah, I mean, he was my favorite player growing up. I actually have a jersey of his. So he never scored a goal outside the box, though, right? Never. Yeah. The thing is, sorry <laughs> to segue a bit, but literally watching Harlan play reminds me so much. Of yep, I, I I I kept telling that to my son also, but he was like, "Who?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll move on and. Um, in a moment, we're going to be looking at the kind of the middle and the bottom of the Premier League here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks, BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Just for Kicks. And now Gogolin, the Tottenham Hotspur of West London, Chelsea. Chelsea 2, Nottingham Forest 2. What a crazy match. I, I said jokingly that this was... Before the match, this was three points for Forest, and it yeah, I think, I think we all did on the for on the Friday show, and we were I think half joking, and you know, again, Bob, Forest are hitting a purple patch at the right time, if you ask me. You know, I mean, to get points at this stage of the season against teams like this, three points now they've got like four points out of two games, and this is a crucial point in the season. If you compare them to Leeds at at, the, at this correct stage, which fan is much more happier right now with the team? You would be a Forest fan, you know. We we wrote them off already mm. but they are showing signs of life and at, at the crucial time so you know again and this was away as well. exactly exactly i mean to be fair chelsea are out of sorts at this point but but for forest you know we were all writing off forest they, they couldn't score a goal to save their lives and look at them now and Asran, goals in two games Asran, i mean take your pick do you want to f- tell us why chelsea are so rubbish or do you want to do you want to tell us why forest might survive <laughs> No, I, I think, think that, I, I think. Sorry, I just want to. I think yeah. we all had enough to telling how Chelsea were rubbish. We should have to give credit to Forrest. <laughs> okay, <laughs> no, go on. I then. think I think it's like similar situation, right? Forrest, we had we questioned whether the team will be cohesive after getting so many players, putting them jumbling up together and expecting results. But that has turned pretty okay for Forrest, maybe because they got their bunch of players at the start of the season, whereas Chelsea did a similar sort of approach. They kept on getting players, they kept on throwing money at different clubs, getting players in, and they simply haven't gelled. But, All the but Forrest they... kept their manager. That yes. is the most important thing. I, I suppose. Oh, it's correct. You're right. I mean, I mean, the influence of Steve Cooper is definitely... What Chelsea did wrong, I think we discussed about this in all the previous shows, is sacking Thomas Tuchel at the start of the season. Everyone thought... What a crack decision that was, right? 
Um, and it has proven so. And finally, you know, Lampard only, I mean, he can't even get his first home win and in his second stint as Chelsea manager. He's only won, what, one out of the last, can't remember. Eight. Eight. <laughs> and, you know, he's, he hasn't won a second game after, what, 30 games or so. So, clearly, everything has gone wrong for Chelsea. It's not as if they've been outplayed in games. But it's just that we can see the players haven't gelled. So, they don't have enough cohesiveness to open teams up. So they're just passing the ball, keeping possession and for no reason, really. Nothing, lots of possession with nothing to show. And similarly, the game yesterday was similar. They controlled the game and then Aoni scored early. We thought, okay, here we go, Chelsea is going to lose again. But then Sterling scored two quick fire goals, right? Uh, give them hope. But then again, this this season, Chelsea came up again, uh, conceded the second goal, could have conceded a third. And then the rest was just pure passing without any sort of purpose whatsoever. So... I- there's, there's something I wanted to focus on which I don't think was mentioned. It's the fact that Kepa Arizabalaga has played pretty much every game since Frank Lampard's come in. Out of nowhere, Mendy gets a call in and yeah. he's susceptible for the first goal. He looked like a player who had no control of his defence at all. It's the, the two goals that went in were defensive lapses. The two goals that went in should never happen with those people in front of you and having a Champions League winning goalkeeper. But sometimes I really question how Frank Lampard has a job. But also, <laughs> how has Mendy, I mean, Mendy from such an amazing goalkeeper last season to where he is now, I'm not so sure what has caused this tremendous collapse in confidence and ability, right? It's the, just... collapse, the collapse was happening during the end of last season. It was... It was happening before our eyes. Like I don't know what it was, but something was happening. Yeah. After the African Nations Cup, and slowly he deteriorated, slowly but surely. Meanwhile, though, Goglin leads to Newcastle 2. You said you would rather be a Forest fan than a Leeds fan. So Forest are at 16th with 34 points. Leeds still in the relegation zone with 31 points at 18th. But they got a point against high-flying Newcastle. Again, Leeds, you know, they're 1-0 up. They played some good football. They're one nil up. Great goal. They get a penalty, cementing your spot. You know, for two nil. You know, I don't know how they allowed Bamford to take it. His confidence is at an all-time low right now. You know, I manage football teams, and I would have not have let him take that penalty kick. If this is a crucial part of the game in the season that you're fighting for your lives, you're one nil up against a rampant Newcastle, and you know, and you are bossing the game at that point. You come, you get a penalty, you cement it at two nil. Immediately misses the penalty. Two minutes later, they get another. Two or three minutes later, Newcastle get another penalty. Get a penalty the other end, and boom, it's one-one. Crazy, no? Yeah, these are the fine margins of where what relegations are decided on. Yeah, because Sean, I've never seen a game go to penalties in the middle of a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many were there? I, I lost count. There were three in total. <laughs> yeah, um, but Leeds fans, poor old Leeds fans. I mean, Leeds fans. We don't have Nicholas or indeed Arvin on the show today. It must be hell being a Leeds fan. It's, it's pure craziness. I was talking to Arvin over the weekend after the game. And I think it's a... Because I don't understand this feeling, right? Gogolin probably understands this feeling. Arvin does and Nick does. When you're in that position of uncertainty, right? When you're seeing your team not being able to perform, playing in a way where you cannot predict what's about to happen. Fine margins are so important. I was watching that game. Of course, in the, the selfish part of me wanted Leeds to win because, you know, Newcastle would drop mm-hmm. points. But I was thinking about it from the larger scope. I'm like, if I was in that position, like Gogolin said, you wouldn't put Bamford, of all people, to take a penalty. If they went 2-0 up, knowing Sam Allardyce, they would have shut up shop. 
they would have put 10 men behind the ball and Newcastle would have found it extremely infuriating to try to get past them. Moments like this make me question whether Leeds deserve to stay in the Premier League. I don't know, part of me feels they will go down, but a very tiny part of me is hoping they don't because I'd love to see Leeds stay in the Premier League. Yeah, they're running out of games though. Yeah, they're running yeah. out of games. Yeah, yeah. Azran, uh, Bielsa to Sam Allardyce in one season. Um, <laughs> not one season though. Well, it's it's been so long. Bielsa was was the manager at the was last, last season. Last season. Oh, last season. Okay. I think well, they went through a couple of managers this season. Um, <laughs> lost track. Are Leeds going to stay up, Azran? I don't think so. Their last two games are against West Ham and Tottenham. Obviously, the ball is in Everton's court, right? Or pitch or half, whatever, however you want to call it. Um, because Everton, I believe, at this point of time, their last two games are against teams that are already safe. They play Wolves away. And finally at home against Bournemouth, where else um, Leeds have to play West Ham away and Spurs at home. And unfortunately, I don't see Leeds staying up. This will be, I think the game over the weekend was their missed opportunity. Going ahead, getting the penalty again. Probably, that's a big question. Why did Sam Allardyce choose Bamford instead of Rodrigo uh, to take the penalty? Only Sam Allardyce knows, but obviously Sam Allardyce knows a lot of stuff according to him. Uh, but if you can see, probably a player that illustrated how the game went or the game went for Leeds was Junior Firpo. He played well at the start, getting the penalty, unfortunately, was missed. And then after that, causing the two penalties, slipping at first and then unnecessarily handling for the second. So And finally, getting a red card sent off for good measure at the end as well. So that's how Leeds' season or the game progressed. Uh, it's just, it's been madness for Leeds. Unfortunately for them, it's going to be tough for them because... I see Everton at least getting or maybe equaling what Leeds will do in the final two games. So, West Ham are out of the beach already. They are, they yeah. They're, they're, they're going to be concentrating on the Europa. I mean, yeah. the conference. True, but they are a much tougher team to play. Uh, now, yeah, I mean, they're confident. Play, nice, you're playing so. in London against the Midlands in, in Wolves. Obviously, West Ham, even they don't have anything to play for, they will have a better squad compared to Wolves in getting a point at least. Yeah, because uh, 34 points for Nottingham Forest, that could be safety. Okay, uh, we move on, though, to a team, Goglins, your moment in the sun, a team that is not facing relegation trouble. For once. <laughs> for once. <laughs> <laughs> and has, I mean, Aston Villa 2, Tottenham Hotspur 1. And you must be on cloud nine, having witnessed the progression of this Villa team. Yeah, I mean, uh, so I just regress a bit. At one point, Villa and Spurs were in the same category, you know, and you, you, I, it, it irks me. My late brother was a big Spurs fan, a really hardcore Spurs fan. So it irked me to see how far the Spurs had come and how far Villa had dropped. And for this season, for us to do the double on Spurs is, is a testament of how far we've come under Emery. You know, it, 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 we go into games with confidence. Supporters go into game with belief. This is how you change, transform teams. Again, I've, I, I've told Cam this before, but I haven't told you guys that I've, I was always against the signing of Steven Gerrard because I said, if you're going to sign Dino, if you're going to sack Dino Smith, who's a lifelong uh, Villa fan, who's done his service by bringing us back to the premiership, you go to the continent for a manager, right? And exactly after Gerrard, the same squad that Steven Gerrard had, Emery has transformed it by one. So, But Gogolin, you keep talking about it as if it's just a, a matter of psychology, and spirit. But, no, but, it's not. It's a matter tactics. of tactics. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. So what are, what are the Gerard, tactics? Gerard never had a plan B. He was very tactically naive. You could see that. You know, he didn't know he was like during the headlines. You could see that games he'd be your open. And then man management was another thing. You know, you drop your opening game. The players you dropped were who? Mings, Watkins, and Buendia, who are right now flourishing. And so, uh, Glogolan, you and the other, what, 10 or 12 uh, <laughs> Aston Villa fans in Malaysia must be like really happy. 
we are, we are, we are. I'm going to cut to, meanwhile, the most supported club in the world, as certainly in Malaysia. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beijing United or something, I'm sure. Um, No, it's Manchester United 2, Wolverhampton Wanderers 0. And with that, Sean, uh, Manchester United, I mean, they've secured the top four. It's uh, surely. And and this is, therefore, a good season. I'm going to repeat what I've said for the last three shows, which is I'm cautiously optimistic because at home, I'm very comfortable that United can win their games, right? So United have Chelsea at home and then Fulham on the last day at home as well. I'm quite certain three points can be picked up from at least one of those games. I don't see United losing either one of those games, but it's a matter of if either Newcastle or even United slip up, Liverpool's right there. I, I'm not going to put out the fact that Liverpool are just right there. I think they're the most informed team aside from City currently. They've been winning for fun, scoring goals, playing good football again out of nowhere. It's the late bloom Liverpool. But for United, I think the game against Wolves, United have had very low scoring games against Wolves. I knew how exactly the game was going to go. United were going to boss possession. United were going to have the more chances in the game. But Wolves were going to frustrate United. And that's exactly what they did for the first for first half of the game. Two important goals. Very, very important goals. One for Martial, who probably needs that goal to boost his confidence. Second one is a boy coming back after missing 12 games. What a goal it was. I mean, it relieves a lot of tension for for United fans, I think. But now you just need to know two wins out of three. It's all that's needed Mm. to qualify. Uh, And Azran, um, as a Liverpool fan, if if Liverpool, who are four points behind, which is a bit of a bit of a gap, really, um, are to win, it would be failures where in the new sorry in the, the Manchester United team and successes where in the Manchester United team. Oof. Okay, so let's talk about the success in the Manchester United team. Obviously, the appointment this year we've seen how many managers that started the season finally finishing the season, and I think United has kept and firm to a manager that they believed in and he's done very very well i think we've spoken about how excellent his man management skills has been managing the whole ronaldo episode and so on and so forth managing the different egos they have in this manchester united dressing room so uh, i think credit has to go to eric ten Hag. steady the ship i think the only sort of failure or question mark that united has is their away form because away they are absolutely clueless or horrible no whereas at home they've made old trafford a fortress again so if United were to drop points, I think I would echo what Sean said. I think his main concern would be the game against Bournemouth away. Whereas at home against Chelsea and Fulham, uh, Chelsea is an easy three points. And I think they're, they're too strong for Fulham as well. So at this point of time, United to be, United looks as if they've cemented the Champions League spots. Now, the question, for at least for Liverpool fans, we're looking at, at Newcastle. Because Newcastle are playing Brighton midweek. And Brighton has been... Another team that is we're looking behind and seeing Brighton, who hasn't, as I mentioned earlier, right? Cam, they haven't mm. relaxed at all. They want no. to play in Europe. Yep, they do. So they've got Brighton, and then after that, they've got Leicester, who are really fighting for their survival. And it depends on Liverpool today. Uh, obviously, uh, Liverpool has been on form. It's a bit too late, unfortunately, for all Liverpool fans, but there's still hope, of course. If we beat Leicester today, Leicester will be in further pressure and might. Put that pressure on Newcastle. We'll, we'll get to Liverpool, okay? <laughs> Calm down. Uh, in a moment, though, we're going to take a short break and we're going to come back with Champions League, Europa League and Conference League here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks, BFM 89.9. 
Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Welcome back. And we are now with Gogolin, Sean and Asran going to be talking the Champions League and Gogolin. Let's begin with... Uh, a ver- <laughs> so many of these are in the balance, but no more, none more so than this. Manchester City at home against Real Madrid. They Both teams go in with one goal. How is this one going to go? And will Pep mess it up and will Real Madrid kind of like steal it after a three seconds of great play? Yeah, I know there's a saying, right? Like, you know, in the World Cup, like it's game of football and the Germans always win it. So it's usually the same thing with the Champions League. It's game of football and then Real Madrid win it. But, you know, let's, uh, I hope again, uh, you know, this is, uh, Pep doesn't overthink his selection, his strategies and all that. The only team that right now can beat uh, Man City is Man City. If you don't overthink your strategies, you play the same football that they've been playing for a while now. You know, I think he's found his team, right? They had a great uh, uh, 3-0 win over the weekend to set them in, in good stead. Real Madrid will come fighting. They've lost the La Liga. This is their chance for, I'm not sure whether Ancelotti is staying though. There's talk of him going to Brazil and all that. But huh? yeah, really? yeah. So again, this is the Champions League. This is their this is their bread and butter for Real Madrid fans. So mm. they know what to do. And away you do and the key thing for Pep is do not score against Madrid first. Yeah. So uh Sean, as a Manchester United fan, I know you love talking about how great Man City are. <laughs> and uh you know, the fellow fellow Manchester things and like, you know, camaraderie. The uh is this Pep's best team? He's he's had many different teams, and is this his best shot at, at winning? I wouldn't say this is his best team because that Barcelona team back in eight or nine, if I'm not mistaken, was to me the best footballing team I have ever watched in my lifetime. Beautiful really, team, best club Beautiful, side I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, best club side I've ever seen. But you could say in the current era, the City team that he has ticks every box. I said it earlier, there is no weakness in that Man City team. As Gogolin said, the only team that can beat Man City is themselves, right? Pep has overthought his tactics in big moments before, which is a big thing to say for a man who's won it all. But every time I think that, you know, City will take it easily, just like I thought last week with the Bernabeu, City would skin it, right? Real Madrid have these moments which can change games. And I think a lot of credit has to go to I think a person who doesn't get enough credit is Kamavinga, a young midfielder who's playing in a position that he absolutely hates. Left back, right? now. Yeah, he's playing in left back and he's admitted <laughs> that he hates playing in that position, but he plays it so well. On the weekend, it looked like he got injured, but apparently he's cleared to play uh, against City midweek. It's going to be so tight. It's going to be so tight. I know what you're going to ask me. It's like, who do you I think is going to win? Yeah, go on. I think this time, I'm just going to be sure about it. I says, City will skin it. I think... Over 90 minutes, if it goes beyond 90 minutes, I think Real Madrid takes it. But if it's within 90 minutes, City takes it by one goal. And what do you think, Gogolin? I agree. I think it's about time that City is due a win over Real Madrid, to be fair. And again, the atmosphere at that stadium has to be playing a part right now. I mean, we've always uh, joked about the... But what sort of atmosphere? That's my point. That's the only thing they need. They need that, you know. There is no atmosphere at that stadium. Well, they can, they can turn up the PA and sort of pre-recorded uh, crowd noises. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to save you, Azran, for the Italian, uh, the, the, the San Siro match. But, 
But who do you think is going to win the the Real Madrid and... Wow. Uh, I, I would echo what you mentioned. I think this is the best City team that Pep has. You know, they, this team is so stacked. They didn't even need to play KDB, who's been arguably the best midfielder in the league, right? Over the weekend, over the league games. And Gondogan always seemed to be superb in these crucial games. Talking about Gondogan, uh, Gundogan, as, as how you pronounce it. I think if he eventually goes on a free... Even at 33, I think you can get you know one or two great seasons out of him. So whoever gets him in in during the the end of the season will be have a good job really. Mm. But back to your question, Cam, I still think Real has got Europe in their DNA. So they know. I mean, Ancelotti, they know how to win it. They've got a bunch of really steady players who know how to win it. I mean, Cruz, Modric. It's like the last dance, right? It's like Michael Jordan's the last dance. We've got Ancelotti, Cruz, Modric, one last hurrah at at Europe. I think they will just shade it. Unfortunately, because we spoke about the atmosphere at the Etihad, there's none. So this can <laughs> go against City. Okay, talking about places with atmosphere, though, the San Siro. <laughs> Oof. I said the other day, I'm I'm not a fan of either of these two. But if you gave, if you could give me a ticket to any match, it would be to go to the San Siro to watch Inter Milan, who are two goals up against AC Milan, um, who who are nothing. And yeah. uh, Azran, you you know Italian football pretty well. Uh, were you surprised by Inter's uh, victory? No. Because the ease of their victory, quite frankly. The, the, based on form, unfortunately Milan is stuttering at the wrong time of the season. I think for the past couple of games, Milan has blown hot and cold. They beat Napoli and then draw against lesser-known teams. They beat Lazio and then the following week, they keep on drawing. And even, in fact, over the weekend, they were playing a relegation, threatened Spezia, and really didn't turn up. And they lost 2-0. So it's bad times for Milan at this point of time. It's difficult to see them overcoming the two-goal lead. And especially, again, we talked to all the... I mean, listening to all the former Milan players, even though they play at the same stadium, the atmosphere is totally different when Inter is hosting against Milan is hosting by the fact that 75 or 80% of the stadium really is totally partisan for one team or the other. And unfortunately for Milan, uh, Inter is going to be the home team. So they're only going to have their curva suit on one side of the stadium and Inter's fans are raucous, they are noisy and they are in form. It's going to be very, very difficult for Milan to overcome it. But we've seen stranger things in, in football. But on paper, on form, it looks as if Inter will cruise through to the final uh, meeting either Real or City. And Sean, who should we be looking out for um, as the star players at the... Well, either Inter or AC Milan. I was going to say for AC Milan, if he's deemed fit to play this game would be Rafael Liao because they missed him in that that first leg big time but they've got a mountain to try and catch up right now and I just don't see it happening for Inter I think where they win their games is not up forward it's in midfield their midfield is stacked Borella Brozovic it's just mint perfection so I think I would go Borella if he starts the game which I think he should that's where I think the game will be won it will be yeah. a midfield. And if I can add on, Sean, Milan is struggling at every single area of the pitch. I mean, defensively, mm-hmm. they're a bit in shambles. They haven't got the creativity. Liao is injured. Mm-hmm. The only probably solid defending point for Milan is their goalkeeper, who's been... Yeah, Mike Magnon Milan. has been solid. That's the only person that's been solid. The rest, unfortunately for Milan, it's going to be really, really tough times. Well, let's mm-hmm. hope. let's hope to see a brilliant game of football. Yeah, but I think the consensus is that Inter are going to go through. Let's jump ahead then. Let's imagine if it's going to be Inter versus, well, what the consensus was, City. Oh, I don't think we can call that yet. 
But uh, mm. but <laughs> I mean, who do you think is going to win the the Champions League outright at the end of the day? Yeah, I, I think City are due it. You know, they have yeah. they have the squad. I said this last season. They're missing a striker. They've got that striker again. The only team right now I can see out of those four teams, who out of those three teams that can beat City are City. So, so the win, the winner will come from the Real Madrid City. Uh, the Real Madrid's heads City, are nodding. The, the Real Madrid City <laughs> game should have been the final, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was, I, I'm still, you know, doubtful that Haaland has improved City, and I, maybe, in, <laughs> maybe in Europe, was it 52 goals? I mean, goals are overrated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay, let's jump to the uh, Europa League, and in the Europa League, we've got Sevilla, the perennial winners of the Europa League on one and Juventus on one. And uh, Azran, I mean, if you're talking about how experience is important, Sevilla have that experience. Exactly. Okay, they're not very good, Juventus. <laughs> they're not very good, but so are Juventus. I mean, Juventus probably, they have been boosted by the fact that they are, they are the, the 15 points reduction has been, has been overturned. So they are back in top four places. So next year, probably they'll be in the Champions League. But similar to the Man City Real Madrid sort of tips, I'll go for Sevilla uh, by virtue of experience, by virtue of them playing at home as well. Um, they know how to win the Europa League, and uh, yeah, even though they are struggling in the La Liga at this point of time. But again, we saw them shocking United previously. I think Sean wasn't really shocked because he sort of saw it. He sort of saw the awful United away form. But yeah, Sevilla knows how to win Europa League matches, and especially at the Sanchez Pizjuan in, in Seville. They and, really not do it. And Sean, by Leverkusen on nil and Roma on one and Jose Mourinho knows what he's doing in Europe. Mm-hmm. So I, I called it last week. I said, don't ever doubt the old man when it comes to, <laughs> to Europe. He knows what he's doing. You still have a spot spot for Jose, don't you? I love Jose. I mean, I, I said it really? when he came to United that his style of football doesn't work in England anymore. And it was evident at Spurs as well. Italy is his home. His style of football, his mannerisms, his characteristics, his personality is perfect for the Italian game. And you can see those Roma players are willing to die for him. That first leg, Leverkusen were poor. The fact that Roma only won 1-0, it's a, that's the bigger shock. Winning wasn't the problem, was the, how big the scoreline was. Leverkusen will be buoyed by the fact that they come back to you know their home ground with the fact that they can still have a chance at this. But I don't see Jose choking this. I don't see Roma choking this. I see no. Roma going through. He'll probably play for a ball draw. I can totally see the Jose way of just playing for a ball draw. Let's get one goal. Let's throw everyone behind the ball after that and frustrate Leverkusen as much as we can. That's not possible. He was the one who complained about a, a club parking the bus. He doesn't do that kind of thing. Not Jose. <laughs> no, no. Open flowing football. Hey, uh, Goglan, meanwhile, the uh, Europa Conference League, uh, which is a league that your Aston Villa, if results go their way, could find themselves in next season. Um, and let's start with AZ Alkmaar on one and West Ham on two. Um, I want to ask, has being in this actually kind of really hurt West Ham season. They are now on 37 points. They're definitely safe, but they have not had a stellar season in the league. And it's a lot of games for not necessarily much reward in the Europa Conference. So does it hurt clubs? Yeah, again, I, I, I said this on Friday's show, I'm not a big fan of the Europa Conference League. You know, this will take it will take a toll on a team that doesn't have depth or a big squad because you travel to far, far away places, you know, on a midweek and then you come back and then you've got to play on the weekend. And if your squad is big enough, 
you you'll suffer and, and as uh, the stats have shown then where where west ham are now and villa have been in that in, when the europa was expanded at one point you know the the UEFA league it, it was gone uefa cup so you know when martin o'neil was in charge we we used to suffer because you just come back on play on thursday nights and then you play on sunday evenings it was a uh, tough on teams like villa and la west ham so i really don't see the point of this but if you see on the flip side if you win a trophy it's a trophy right something the fans can be really happy about so there's two sides to the pros and cons to it but i personally am not a fan roma won this last season didn't they not sure who won this last season? Roma, yeah, roma won it yeah, so Jose Mourinho would say it's the most important one in the whole world. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so, uh, well, I just said West Ham. Three of you, who's going to win? Of all I'll, of these, actually. I'll go for West Ham to, to win it. I think they put all their resources into this competition. Yeah, yeah. To not win yeah. it now would be bye-bye David Moyes probably next season, <laughs> even if they survive, in my opinion. Yeah, Asran? Yeah, exactly what, what Sean said. I think they came close to winning the Europa last season. They know how to win in Europe. They've put all their resources, all eggs in this particular basket this season. So it's they, have, they seem to be the strongest team in the Conference League. I don't see Basel or nor Fiorentina, whoever that qualifies from that other game, you know, causing any problems for West Ham. Yeah. So they go through. Yeah. So, Goglin, you've already said that you think West Ham's going to win. So, but uh, we now say we now say goodbye to Goglin as he he pulls up with a hamstring <laughs> that recurring hamstring it's groin strain nowadays. Groin, groin strain. <laughs> <laughs> he, he he leaves the pitch, kicks a, kicks a water bottle because he wants to play every minute that he can. It's glad to be uh, good to be on the show on Monday, boys. Good to see you. Chat again. Great. And, uh, great to have you here. Soon. Thanks, yep. Cam. Thanks, Darren. Thank you, Gogolin. But uh, everyone else, stay with us for part four. And in a moment, we're going to be looking at what is it like to go watch a match in England from Azran Rosain. And here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks, BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Welcome back to part four of Just for Kicks. And it's not, and then there were two. There's Azran and there's Sean. And now, uh, Azran, you've been away for a long time. And, you know, we, we talk football results and I, and I will couch this as in a Leicester versus Liverpool on Monday night thing. But yep. you, you, you actually got to see, um, uh, you went to Anfield. Exactly. Uh, I had the privilege uh, of, of being there, uh, really. Um, during the whole trip, Actually, there were four Liverpool matches. Uh, as soon as I arrived, uh, Liverpool were playing West Ham in London. But again, I couldn't bring, I mean, go for four matches, right? Because I brought yeah, my yeah, family, yeah. of course. Yeah, your family would have been like, where's daddy? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I had to sacrifice one game at least. So I uh, made the kids happy, brought them to, got that, got that out of the way, uh, brought them to Paris Disneyland. And then after that, that allowed me to actually, so I caught, the first game was such an exciting game, of course, against Spurs. It need not be exciting, but it was very exciting. It was also my niece's birthday and her first game. I managed to bring her to Anfield. And thanks to the official Spotters Club, All Reds Malaysia got seats on the court, which is excellent. Uh, at first, it was, what, 3-0 up. It was, again, Sean mentioned it. Liverpool yeah, but, 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 I, I, right. I, I don't necessarily yeah. need the, the blow by blow, but what was it like emotionally? How, how, how was the experience? Again, it's sitting on the, standing on the court, listening to You'll Never Walk Alone. Again, that never gets old for me. Again, I've been... Luckily for me, I've been, I've caught my fair share number of games, but it always still, it's emotional, of course, right? Being there, being privileged. You know, it's, it doesn't happen every day. <laughs> you don't get that privilege every day. So when you're there, the atmosphere is amazing. Uh, even though Liverpool aren't in a title race uh, this season, but those big games against Spurs, falling on a, a weekend, Saturday or Sunday, it's always, always 
boisterous at Anfield. And similar, when we led 3-0, it was, again, it was excellent. The atmosphere was, Anfield was at its best. But then, <laughs> sort of similar to this season, Liverpool allowed Spurs to come back. And when Richarlison, out of all people, scored that equaliser uh, on the, what, 91st minute, you can you can hear a pin drop, right? Everyone thought, oh, when this when when Spurs caught their second goal, I think Anfield is a bit nervous already. I think the crowd is a bit nervous because they've seen how Liverpool has defended this season. And Richarlison came on, and we know he hasn't scored all season, and he had to be the person who scored that we thought was the equalizer. We thought, oh my goodness! But then I think what was different is this sort of you know we've mentioned about Liverpool being the mentality monsters. There was still hope. I think the court was still singing even. After Richarlison scored, they were still saying, look, we've got a couple of minutes, what, one or two minutes to go for it? And when Jota scored that, okay. <laughs> that amazing, amazing right. sort of I, winner. It was I, think, I think we're going to fade down on Azran here as his internal monologue just continues as he gushes <laughs> about being there. And I want to turn to you, Yeah, Sean. sorry for that. It was what, what no, no, You enjoyed it. it, I think, is what we can get. <laughs> Sean, and I mean, you know, most Malaysian uh, football fans never get to see their, their, their club play. Goglan, for instance, he's never been to Villa Park and he's been a lifelong Villa fan. But Sean, you've been, you have had the opportunity to go to Old Trafford and what what what, what was that like? Was it was, was it worth it? Was it as good as you thought it might be? It was even better than what I thought it would be. My father brought me up supporting United. My dad got to see, you know, George Best, Dennis Law all back in the day. And that's all the stories he used to tell me. And all I could build off things were stories and I could build it off watching it on TV my father surprised me when I was 13. We went to Manchester. I got to watch United against Sunderland. When you're standing outside the stadium and you see all the people that are there, these are people that have gone all their lives through generations. It's like a normal thing for them. And then for me, who's never been there before, you just see the stadium from outside and you're like in awe. There were no words. There was just pure bliss at that moment. Mm. And then when you enter the stadium, because we managed to get tickets to sit at the Stratford End, Walking up the staircase before you come out to the stadium, I think it's the first time I've ever cried over football in a happy way. Mm-hmm. Because I actually came out and I could see everything. What wasn't the Sir Alex Ferguson stand at that time was what I could see. And I was just standing there going, this is probably the best moment in my life. And until today, it's still easily top five best moments of my life. <laughs> and I think, you know, any fan of any football club, Arvin is a great example. You know, lifelong Leeds fan. You get to go to Allen Road, becomes a celebrity there. Yeah, these are moments you live for, and it's always a possibility. Never think it's impossible. One day it can happen, and it'll yeah. be one of the best experiences in your life. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, and uh, and yes, yeah, uh, talking about accessibility again, obviously there's both sides because now the game's so global, traveling is made much more easier. But yet, because the game's so global, getting tickets is like looking for gold, right? But the good thing about Official supporters clubs. I think they play an important role in allowing this accessibility to fans from other countries. Really, I mean, we've got three official supporters club for Liverpool over here and they've all done a fantastic job. All Reds Malaysia, KL Copites, Kinabalu Reds. Because they get access because of the fact that they organise so many activities for fans and the club actually gives them access to some games. So we were quite lucky, as I mentioned, we got tickets at the COP, really good seats, thanks to these clubs. So a shout out to all these people who really organise at their own time, really. They're not paid to organise these clubs. They do it. I'm sure Sean United has got their supporters clubs as well. So again, as Sean mentioned, it's a dream. It's fantastic to be there. So if any of you who really want to go there, really do so, connect with your local supporters club and see. 
uh, what opportunities are there in the future. Uh, give me a ballpark figure of how much it would cost. <laughs> that that depends. <laughs> that yeah. depends really. Obviously, you got to save up for a year to go there for sure. Yeah, at least. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, well, well done to to you, and you know, congratulations Thank you. for being able to go there. And I, and, and Sean also. I mean, it, these are the kind of memories that last. Uh, Producer Daryl definitely wants us to talk about how Barcelona have won La Liga and how they were celebrating, and the Espanol fans chased them away. Uh, Sean, um, that's disgraceful. I mean, it's a Catalan derby at the end of the day, right? Espanol versus Barcelona. Barcelona knew they needed a win to wrap up what was already an obvious thing that they were going to win the league. Lewandowski doing Lewandowski things. Now, what I didn't expect was what was going to happen after the game. Because you would expect, let's say, it's your 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 usual derby. If you're going to win the league, you'd celebrate, right? But the Barcelona players were doing rings in the centre circle together. You're going to rile up. And I think, take away UK for a minute. You look at Europe, right? So Italy, France, Germany, Spain... Their ultras are wild. They're they're scary, right? Espanol fans flooded in. But credit to the Barcelona players playing for 90 minutes. They still had the legs to run off the pitch (laughs) real quick down the tunnel. I mean, credit to Barcelona this season. They've deserved their their league win. My main question, which I don't think any of the Barcelona players are thinking of right now, is what's going to happen next season? Talk about Loporta wanting Messi back. Let's talk about more players having to take pay cuts. Let's talk about you know less of the 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 fans owning the club. I part of me feels this could be a a one off for Barcelona. I know it's a big a big thing to say, but I don't see it happening next season. There's going to be mm. many things that they're going to have to let go, especially if they bring Leo Messi back. Uh, well, uh, Asfran, we don't have much time, so you have to be concise. Sure. But I was going to ask, you know, is Barcelona back? Well, I think what the Xavi has to do is ensure all this off-the-pitch sort of issues. For example, bringing Leo Messi back can cause a huge disruption. We saw that with Ronaldo coming back to United, right? And I think one of the reasons, probably Sergio Busquets, who's left, he's been an integral part of Barcelona. One of the reasons he left was to allow for Messi to come back to Barcelona. And yeah, so if Xavi can really still focus on the core of the team and yet somehow able to integrate Leo Messi back, I don't think it's one-off. Really, yesterday's game, they knew they won it. I think what they sort of undermined or undercalculated was the fact that Espanyol is in relegation trouble at this point of time. They've got major issues behind the scenes. So the fans have already been upset at the players, at the coach, at the manager. So seeing Barcelona celebrate. Normally, I think in usual times, they would allow it as, as long as it's not too excessive. But yesterday, because they are now, what, second from bottom and they're facing relegation, I think that sort of heated the whole ultras up and uh, unfortunately we saw those ugly scenes uh, yesterday uh, but usually I don't foresee. I mean the Barcelona-Espanol rivalry isn't as heated as some of the rivalries you've seen in, in European football but yesterday I think they were just upset at the club. But back to Barcelona I hope to see them back because we spoke just now, um, The one of the best league or football teams we've seen is Pep's Barcelona and Xavi has the opportunity or capability to do that. He's got an exciting bunch of youngsters Alex Balde on the left looks quite an electrifying player. You know? He reminds you of an, a young Alaba or, or um, Anthony, uh, uh, what um, the Canadian left-back in Bayern now. What's his name again? Alfonso Davis. Yeah, that player. <laughs> so, Alex Balde is awesome. So, hopefully, Barca is back and maybe we'll see also the return of Leo Messi to finally call the curtains on his illustrious career. I mean, 
But he's got nothing to play for. <laughs> he's done it all. Okay. So <laughs> he wants uh, to win one more thing at Barcelona for sure. Oh yeah, for okay. sure. Yeah, after I'd won the World Cup, yeah, I want to win yeah. one more thing. Why not? Hey. Um. So anyway, <laughs> that brings us to the end of this week's show, and I would like to thank Sean Mahotra. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Been good fun. Hope Liverpool loses tonight. <laughs> Speaking so, of which, like that's going to happen, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> Azran Rosane, Liverpool going to lose tonight? Looking at. Uh, Exactly. Hopefully, staying up tonight, of course. Uh, let's see. I mean, okay. interesting still. Some things go, go Leicester. To play go the Foxes. Top four as I well say. as the relegation spots. Of and thank you to our producer, <laughs> Daryl, and uh, myself, Cam Rustan, and join us next time on Just for Kicks here on BFM 89.9. Football tune in Mondays and Fridays at 8 p.m. Just for kicks on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.